Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Mason Grigsby, co-author of Love at Second Sight, playing the midlife dating game. Welcome, Mason. Rich, how are you? Good. What is midlife, and who is reading your book? Well, midlife, for purpose of our book, were those people who are over 40 years of age. The intent was that people over 40 who had mostly been in long relationships would read the book. The reality turns out that lots of different single people read the book and are reading the book. And, in fact, one of the interesting parts, because we do discuss how people react and the experience they've gained over the years and how to interact with the opposite sex that we found a number of people were giving it to their kids, their teenage kids to read. Interesting. Things to avoid. <laughs> yes. So that and became an interesting sideline. A lot of people came up to me and said, I've given it to my kids to read because they need to know this stuff. Well, now what's unique about midlife dating? How is it different to be dating the second time around over age 40? Well, primarily, it's really the fact that people are looking for different things. It's not what we all look for, although, as John Gray says in his Mars-Venus book, and I also believe, and we said in the book, men in general tend to be clueless about what they're looking for all the time. <laughs> they're more clueless, as are women, when you're younger. So when you're older, uh, the fact you even have a, a focus on looking for qualities that are important is different. Most of us just were so clueless that wasn't even an issue. So you're saying that the younger people don't sit down and decide what kind of qualities they need in a lifetime partner. They're totally governed by their hormones? Well, I can't speak for the current 20s level people, but in the era for those of us 40 and above today, that was historically true. There were always obviously exceptions to that, but in general, certainly men didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that. Part of the book that was important was really the survey we did of 400 people asking exactly the question, what did you look for when you were effectively the first time around in your first marriage, and what did you now look for in your second time around, or third as the case may be, right. uh, what are the qualities you look for? And uh, both men and women changed dramatically from what they were looking for. For example, men, uh, the number one quality by almost 50% of the men when they're younger were looking for someone who was attractive and popular and was a social fit. And women were looking for someone that was a good provider. Yes. Now, today, when you're over 40, while men still look for someone that's attractive and a social fit, the actual number one thing that they look for are common interests. Uh, Interesting. That, that supplanted the attractiveness. The attractiveness was still at number two, but um, because men are visual, but the attractive dropped, and the fact that they were looking for someone with which they had common interests came from nowhere because in their early days that wasn't even on the top five list. Right. So you're telling me that the young guys are very superficial. All they want is a good looking woman to have sex with. 
Well, that was pretty much the answer in their youth. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. <laughs> and, and is this autobiographical, uh, Mason? Can we get personal here? Would you say <laughs> that you've changed over the years as well? I fell into that category, and I'm a living <laughs> testimonial to the fact that men do change. Well, all right. No question about it. Right. So, so the modern guys you're saying, or I should say the, the guys who are over 40 now who are looking for a second or third wife potentially. Well, let's call ourselves uh, socially mature. Socially mature guys over 40 are no longer superficial guys who only care if the girl is cute. Now they're looking for common interests. They are looking for common interests. And amazingly enough, as I tell women, there is hope. They actually are looking for uh, intelligent and educated women, which was the number three quality that they, they pointed out they were looking for. Intelligent and well-educated women. Is that amazing that guys would put that on the list uh, once they're over age 40? Well, that it points out that the, the key element for women who I get asked in my seminars all the time, and the women get this bad advice that they should dumb down, and the answer is, for the smart women already know this, but the answer is you're absolutely never dumbed down. Because if you do, uh, you end up with a moron if he buys into that. Well, of course, the classic example of this Mason was Marilyn Monroe, who, as you know, is the, the world's greatest sim sex symbol in the history of the world. There's never been anybody who quite had the sex appeal of Marilyn Monroe, and she played that role to a T, uh, the, the dumb blonde. So right. she definitely dumbed down, and it made her millions of dollars and the most sought-after woman in the in history of the world. So it worked for her. Well, that's true. There's always the exception to every rule, as you know. <laughs> right. And what about the women, Mason? What did you find in your survey of 400 singles over age 40? What did you find was different about what they were looking for in a man in contrast to when they were young and dumb? Well, this really took me aback to some degree, although maybe someone who's, who's lived through all this it shouldn't be uh, if they're out dating a lot over 40 and over 50 is that women in their youth put the sexual romantic part down fairly low on their list. It was the yes. fourth, and it was the percentages that answered were not high. Yes. And it jumped to number one with almost 40% of women looking for that angle as they got older. So you're saying the older a woman becomes, the hornier she becomes. Well, that happens to be the way they answered the survey. And right. the survey was a blind survey, by the way. No, right. We didn't know who anybody was, so they had no reason to lie. They're also looking, however, but which was always true, uh, it actually went up, however, in percentages. They want some a man who's intelligent and educated. Yes. So they always wanted a smart man, and but even more as they get older, they realize the value of that as they get older. So uh, that came up even higher. Really? So more and more as the women mature, they are seeking an intelligent, educated man, but they, they want him to be sexy as well. That's right. So if you're a smart, sexy guy, uh, and the third thing they're looking for, which you might imagine was kind of up there at the top with about almost 20% of women, said they wanted someone who was financially secure. Yes. Which didn't mean that someone had to take care of them. Right. Because most of the people we interviewed said they just want someone financially equal to them. They weren't yes. interested in taking care of a man. Right. Well, I know the big fear that a lot of mature women have is that they're going to meet a man who's looking for a nurse and a purse. That's true. Those are the two <laughs> big fears, no question about it, which is one of the egregious errors that men, particularly as necessarily over 40, but over 50 and certainly over 60 make, is they sit down on the first date and uh, go through the checklist of all of the ailments they have, <laughs> uh, which is what I say, that if you want to make sure that the, if you're a man and the woman you are sitting across from on the first date doesn't accept the next date you ask her out for, <laughs>
go through your, your list of all of your physical ailments and how right. bad you're doing, and that will certainly uh, get her to figure out how to avoid the next date with you. So you're telling me, Mason, that there are actually mature guys out there who are so stupid that they spend time on their first date telling a woman that they're basically ready to die. Uh, yes, that's <laughs> true. I have personal friends who do it, and no amount of coaching uh somehow they just get in this mode where they have to do it. I have one friend who he thinks he's being funny. He starts off yes. saying, well, I had a bad year last year. I had, <laughs> was in a car wreck and broke my arm, and I had a stroke oh. and was paralyzed, and I'm still in physical therapy, and I wobble, and I can't see straight. But, you know, I'm a great guy. for <laughs> When's our next date? <laughs> that would be kind of like a, a guy saying, hey, you know, I'm unemployed, and I don't have any money in the bank, and uh, I'm looking for a woman who has some money. Right. That's just about, you might as well wear a flashing neon sign on your forehead, so, you know. So, not a good idea, but that somehow it's almost, again, it's a gene flaw. They, yes. Men, some men can't help themselves. Well, give us some more of these first date do's and don'ts. So, what other kind of stupid things are mature men and women, uh, what kind of mistakes are they making on the first date, or, or what kind of good things can they do on a first date? Well, of course, there's always the chemistry thing that we can't project, and that's a big deal. One of the things I think that both men and women ought to realize on the first date that is important is that, as again part of the survey, one of the questions we asked was how many men and women were actually looking for a relationship. I mean, I actually really wanted to be in a relationship. Yes. And 87% of the men said they really wanted to do that, which didn't mean marriage, as it turns out, but it did say they wanted to be in a relationship. And 85% of the women said the same thing. So the, the high percentage of both men and women are interested in a real relationship. Right. And then what about marriage, though? You, you broached that subject, Mason. Do you have any guess as to what percentage of mature singles are hoping to get married again? Well, that would happen to be one of the questions we did ask, as a matter of fact. We asked how important it was to get married again. Yes. We asked that exact question. And, and we asked, the question was, is it very important, important, I could go either way or not important? Yes. And in men, 70% of them said I could go either way or not important. Okay. And what was interesting with women, uh, however, is 67% of them also said I could uh, go either way or not important. So marriage is not the end all for people over 40. So it sounds like uh, they're going back to the days when they were in college, when uh, at least the guys, all they wanted to do was score. Uh, they weren't particularly looking for marriage at that point. And, and, of course, a lot of the women are concentrating on their careers and their advanced degrees and so forth, and they don't want to get married when they're young. So you're saying the same thing is true for these people over 50. Well, but it means something different. Now, when they're saying they didn't need to get married, yeah. remember, I'm going back to the 87%. However, men said it's very important to be in a relationship, and 85% of women said it was very important to be in a relationship. So right. what they're saying is, I want a monogamous relationship, but I don't have to be married now. Yes. And the reason for that, of course, is the fact that the children factor goes away. Yes. And so people don't perceive that getting married now is the ultimate goal of a relationship. Right. And when you're younger, you do, because most people believe today socially that if you're going to be married when you're younger, one of the purposes is to have children. Right. And so, generally speaking, most people think you ought to be married if you're going to raise kids. So, right. So the relationship is important. It's just it doesn't have to end up in a marriage. So are you predicting that these mature singles are all going to just wind up shacking up with each other instead of getting married? 
Yep. <laughs> yeah, lots of them are. Right. Um, and one of the reasons happens to be, assuming people have been married and they now have adult kids on both sides, you people just want to avoid the children's, why are you doing this? Did you get them to sign a prenup? They worry about their estate going away, and so they don't want to rattle the cage of their own children. It's a big part so, of that. So you see these kids of mature singles as being really self-centered, really selfish. They don't want their parents to remarry because they're afraid it's going to ruin their inheritance. So they're really not looking out for the best interests of their mature single parents. Well, not always. I don't think that's, of course, a generalization. But we've got to find a lot of people that, for that reason, in our survey, one of the reasons they elected not to be married. However, equally important, however, interesting, very interestingly, was that a lot of women who had been married said, I want to be in this relationship. I don't want a man underfoot every day of my life. I've learned to be independent, and right. I don't want him there. Well, a lot of women have a hard time with men, as I'm sure you know. You know, We men tend to be pretty sloppy. We tend to be the Oscar Madisons of the world, while, while they tend to be more the Felix Ungers. And a lot of women, once they do get divorced or widowed, they start discovering that uh, you know their house is a lot neater and more fun to live in if they don't have a slob living with them. You're right. They don't want to take it. They want to necessarily cook for them, although that's not 100% true. But uh, they just want to have their own life. They've learned to be independent and uh, would like to remain some degree independent. So it, it was a surprising to me that so many said, I really don't want them here every day of my life. <laughs> right. Well, you know, a lot of the women that I talk to that are over 40, over 50, I hear over and over and over again, you know, I'm not necessarily looking for a husband and, and maybe not even a bed partner, but what I really do need is a companion, somebody right. to go to the opera with or somebody to go to right. dinner with or somebody, you know, go on a little vacation with. A lot of women feel very uncomfortable, as you know, Mason, going out to dinner alone. They really feel like, you know, they've got the scarlet letter on them if they're alone going out to dinner. They can't handle going out alone, and they get tired of going out with their girlfriends. They want to have some male companionship. It may or may not lead to love and romance and sex, but they definitely need that male companionship. Well, that's true of both sexes, though. I mean, men also want somebody to travel with. In our survey, and I'm one of those, I can tell you, all sorts of men who said, you know, I want to travel and do stuff, but I don't like traveling by myself necessarily. Right. I mean, it's hard for anybody. If I'm going to go to France and I'm going to be in Paris, I want to go out to a restaurant and sit there in some great restaurant by myself. I mean, that to me, yes. I'd rather be here in San Francisco and run into my friends than sit over yes. there by myself in some restaurant saying, wow, isn't this terrific? I'm here I am in Paris by myself sitting in this great restaurant. Yes. So you tend to want people to go travel and do things with when you get into the retirement level you have the freedom to do a lot of traveling and it's really important to have someone to do that with for most people right and there are some that are independently so wonderful they can travel by themselves but the, yes. that is generally speaking not the majority yes how can mature singles be more proactive and where can they go to and how can they meet the opposite sex well, actually there's another one of the questions on our survey tell you the truth is where 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 you go to yes to meet people um and interestingly enough i'm not saying that and because i'm in san francisco i've actually recently run into a few people that have been to your events and they've they've touted those they said they've met i met three men who've met some interesting women at your events interesting enough so so singles events are a good place uh, for mature singles to meet well that came up for both men and women actually 25 to 30% of both men and women said singles organizations were high on their list of places to meet people. Right. The second highest was special interest groups. Yes. What do you like to do? 
go to book signings, for example, skiing, hiking, bridge groups, yes. whatever your special interest is, people found they met people there, going to college classes again. Yes. But 30% of both men and women, it was almost equal, said they really had some questions as to where to go to meet people. Right. You know, it's interesting because, you know, you talk to younger people and it's usually easier for them to meet people. A lot of them still have their high school or college crowd to hang with. Or frankly, you know, 20-somethings can go down to any bar anywhere with no cover charge and meet tons of people in their own age bracket who are single. So meeting singles is relatively easy for the younger people. But And when you're older, first of all, uh, there are almost, you know, depending on what you're going to go in. In 40s, you're not so bad. But once you start getting in your 50s, there are almost no places, and myself being in that over 50 group, there's almost no place you can go that you find people anywhere near your own age. Yes. Now, you get back to this old argument that men are, well, that's what men are looking for. Every woman <laughs> I talk to says, well, all you men are looking for someone 20, 25 years younger. And yes. Looking is probably a, the operative word here. Yes. Looking is right. Uh, yes. Getting one. Right. The opportunity or probability of that is somewhere close to zero. Right. Uh, and I tell women all the time in my seminars, I said, yeah, they're trying. Lots of guys try, but I will tell you the success level is not high <laughs> because women don't want guys that are older for the most part. There are the exceptions to the rule. There's no question. There are some women who don't care. But most women do care. And so the myth of this, you see one and you think, well, all the guys are getting younger women. Yes. Boy, I tell you, the, the percentage of times they're getting rejected to do that are, are <laughs> very, very high. Yeah, well, a lot of men have heard that women like older men, and that's true. But then you have to define the word older. If you look at the statistics, you'll see that the average man in America does marry a younger woman. But on average, she's only two years younger than he is. That's true. Uh, in fact, we asked that question in the survey, who, the, the difference in age. Yes. And the man was five years older. Yes. And for men, the uh, woman was about eight and a half years younger. But it wasn't in that 15 to 20 range that everyone right. thinks was happening. It was under 10 years by a lot. Now, now these were who they wanted to meet. This was the age range. No, they these were people who they actually had their best relationships with. Oh, I see what you're saying. But we said, what was the difference in age in your best relationship? What was the age difference? Okay, and so the men found that if the woman were a few years younger, it was the best relationship. Right. That was historically been true. Is that you know the man's been older. Yes. And and what did the women find again? They were the younger by by an average of about five years. Yes. And that was the best relationship they had had in their lives. Right. W what about women dating younger men? Did you come across that? Did the women want a younger man, or had they had any good experiences dating a younger man, or was that considered to be forbidden territory? No, no. We asked them, how many years younger would you date someone? And the women, their answer was seven years mm -hmm. younger they would be willing to date somebody. And on an average of the 400 people, 200 were women. It was split 50-50 between the two. They they would go down seven years. Men, answer was 15 years. <laughs> so he'd be willing, if he was in his 50s, he'd be willing to date a woman in her late 20s or 30s, conceivably, or, or maybe I should say a woman in her 30s well, 50, or early 50, 40s. Well, you know, yeah, mid-30s. You know, at that level, that's, that's a manageable difference, maybe 15 years, but when you get into beyond that, then it becomes sort of silly. Well, you know, Mason, interestingly enough, there was a study that was done on age-disparate marriages 
where uh, the man or the woman was significantly older or younger than the spouse. In fact, in some right. of these uh, relationships, they were 20 years apart. And yeah. they came across something very, very interesting in this study. They found out that the divorce rate for people who were 20 years apart in age was identical to the divorce rate of having the same age. In other words, there was no advantage or disadvantage of dating somebody Either older way. than you are, right. younger than you are, or your own age, that uh, the divorce rate was going to be the same regardless of age, that it was not a factor. Well, take that another level. And first of all, in first marriages, as you know, the, the rate's 50%. Yes. What a lot of people don't know, and I still have an actually interesting problem with, I have happened to have some conversations with people who have actually done some surveys on that, and yes. the numbers for second marriage is enough or even higher than for first yes. marriage. Well, of course, because people that have a history of divorce, you did it once, you're more likely to do it a second time. It becomes a habit. Logic tells you, and yes. in my book I say, use your experience to go find the right people now, and somehow... Right. Talking about it doesn't help. <laughs> people don't seem to be able to figure out how to do that. Well, you know, there's an old saying, Mason, that it's a lot easier to give good advice than it is to take good advice. Well, it seems that way. So I still have a problem with figuring out why second time around should be higher divorce rates. But right. that is a statistical fact. I mean, it that is, is true. That is what's happening. Certainly. What are some of the warning signs of a bad or wrong guy that women should be looking for? One of the things that comes up a lot, and women who have been through this are more cognizant of this, but the, the guy who's the control guy yes, who wants to control everything. And women have a tough time spotting that if they haven't been through it before because it seems like just a whole lot of self-confidence to them. Yes. Initially, and they tend to think, oh, you know, that's okay. The guy just is a take-charge guy. Yes. So it's very hard to spot that one until you've been around someone a long time. So if a guy is too controlling in the beginning, too much of a take-charge guy, that could be a bad sign. No question, yeah. Guys who are too much that way. I tell women all the time, I said, look, if you go out someplace, you're driving, and does the guy go crazy when someone cuts in front of him honking his horn and yelling at him, for example? Yes. Well, if he's doing that to them, you know, project yes. that later, that could be you. So an abusive guy who isn't very nice to the waitress and isn't very nice to his children and isn't nice to his co-workers or his subordinates, chances are after the honeymoon stage is over, he's going to turn that abusiveness towards you. No question about it. It's like a road map, and it's amazing how many women overlook that stuff. Uh, they, yes. They seem to think, well, you know, that thing that others, that won't be me, or the, you know, the classic thing that women always do, uh, I can change them. Yes. <laughs> you know, I like that one. Yeah. yeah, famous last words. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> right. And, and what are some other bad things that uh, women should be looking for in a guy right off the bat? The guy who uh, pushes for, let's get involved really quickly. Mm -hmm. guy. Uh, I've never felt anyone like this before, you know, this big rush yes. to get involved. And most women are pretty aware of that one. But, you know, it's possible that the guy comes across that way. And I do talk to women who said, well, that's really great. You know, I really want them to do that. But, you know, that's a little weird when someone starts calling you every day and all the time. That gets into this possessiveness control area. Okay. And what are some of the things that single men don't want in a woman? Well, probably one of the bigger things that I hear from men is the neediness. And when women tend to appear needy and lack self-confidence, I mean, believe it or not, men want strong, pretty independent, self-confident women 
for the most part. Again, there's always exceptions, but they want somebody who's strong and intelligent, independent, and and knows what they're doing. And the needy woman doesn't appeal to very many men. So you're saying mature men are different from the younger guys. They really do want a stronger, self-confident, intelligent, well-educated woman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And why did you write Love at Second Sight? One of the things we talk about is taking chances when you get older. Go on a blind date. I talk to lots of women. Oh, I would never go on a blind date. And I always say, why not? (laughs) It's not going to hurt you. Right. What's supposed to happen on a blind date that's bad and only, you know, good can happen. And my book actually started about five years ago. I was I was actually had a blind date. Actually, it was an internet date at the time. Yes. And the woman and I were just chatting about our different lives being single. And I'd been single a lot longer than she had, but we uh, got on the subject of writing a book, and we actually did an outline together. Interesting. So the book came out of a blind date. Yeah. Interesting. And she went off and got in a relationship and said, my new relationship guy is getting nervous that I'm writing a book about single life. <laughs> okay, one final question, Mason. How can people contact you? Got a website, which is www.midlifedatingbooks.com. Uh, all one word, of course. And that's probably the best way. On that, there's the email to me and uh, some interesting articles and uh, discussions about the seminars that I do. Wonderful. I'd like to thank my guest, Mason Grigsby. Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about single living, feel free to email us at comments at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss. (laughs) 